Welcome to God's Truth. I'm your instructor, Dr. D. Todd Harrison, as we continue to flood the world with God's truth. We are continuing now in the Pauline epistles written by the Apostle Paul. Uh, last The last two weeks, we had brilliant uh, lessons on the book of Romans, in which Paul continued to shut down and destroy false evangelical uh, the, the gospel, evangelical so-called Christianity, uh, over and over again, uh, dozens and dozens of times. It was beautiful to look at Paul do that. Uh, now we're moving on to 1 Corinthians this week as Paul continues to teach and to testify of Jesus Christ. Now that same Lord and God, Jesus Christ, I testify as one of his witnesses that he lives today. He conquered death, hell, and the grave. He is our Lord, our God, our Redeemer, our Savior, our all. Let's look what Paul said here in 1 Corinthians. And we first will look at the end of 1 Corinthians. And this gives us, uh, we got to always look at these things in context. This is important to set up for one of the future chapters coming up when he mentions about the apostles. And who's he talking about? Who is he talking about there? Uh, end of 1 Corinthians. The first epistle to the Corinthians was written from Philippi by Stephanus and Fortunatus and Achaicus and Timotheus. Timotheus, of course, Timothy, which we'll see the epistles to Timothy. So Paul's uh, writing with these other guys here, uh, his uh, colleagues in the ministry. One, two, three, four. So five of them together. Later, he's going to call them the apostles of Jesus Christ. And we'll continue now. Let's look at 1 Corinthians, verse 1. And here we go, right? We talked about there's a lot of information and a lot of stuff packed into these first verses of these epistles. Paul called to be an apostle of Jesus Christ through the will of God. <laughs> so what Paul starts to do is he starts to exalt himself up and basically, he's the called from, G you know, he's the one that's called to be an apostle from Jesus Christ. President James, uh, Peter, John, the first, the uh, first presidency, the uh, quorum of the twelve, the uh, quorum of the seventy, they've just been appointed by James. Uh, you know, they've not been called by Jesus Christ as as Paul was. That's going to be his argument here: is that he was truly called by Jesus Christ. So. Uh, James starts to, you know, you don't have the internet in those days. You don't have TV. You don't have the radio. So if there's a vacancy in the quorum of the 12 apostles, because somebody died off, either being killed or died off due to natural means, uh, they replace an apostle, but nobody knows what it looks like, right? They, they can't go onto the internet or TV and see, oh, here's the picture of the new uh, apostle, or this is the picture of the 70. So they don't know. So James starts to send out letters of recommendation saying, hey, listen, you know, community that, you know, this guy is going to, uh, you know, this is a true apostle. Uh, uh, this is uh, one of the 12 apostles. Uh, this is one of the 70. Well, we know from Paul's own admission here in his letters, he doesn't have that recommendation, does he? Because we've seen over and over again, he's not a true apostle that we're used to looking at. And he's not a member of the Quorum of the 12 Apostles. He's not a servant. He's no general authority. Uh, God has called him to preach. He's going out and preaching. Last week, he said that the reason I call myself as apostle to hopefully make James, Peter, and John in the Quorum of the Twelve jealous of me and all the success I'm having through that. Hopefully, they can change. Hopefully, they can do once they do away once and for all with this law of Moses. Uh, you know, when they see all the success that I'm having, therefore, I go around calling myself an apostle, right? 
So here he's, this is a loaded phrase here, right? That, that Paul called to be an apostle of Jesus Christ. I don't need a letter of recommendation from James, and he'll say that later on when we get to 2 Corinthians. I don't need a letter of recommendation from James, right? I've got my recommendation from the Lord Jesus Christ. And he sounds crazy, and he sounds like a heretic, and he sounds like an apostate to the first presidency in the Quorum of the Twelfth. But as we looked at multiple times already, in the Doctrine and Covenants section 18, nearly 2,000 years later, God himself did call Paul, Paul mine apostle. So he indeed does have, while he sounds crazy saying this, he does have the backing of Jesus Christ. Jesus Christ is appearing to him. Jesus Christ has made him his own apostle outside of the quorum, outside of the first presidency, outside of the general authority, hierarchical, um, hierarchy of the first century uh, A.D. church. Okay, uh, he says here, um, And Sothenes, our brother, unto the church of God, which is at Corinth, to them that are sanctified in Christ Jesus, called to be saints. How do you know you're a member of the true church of Jesus Christ? You are called to be a saint. That's why the church is called the church of Jesus Christ of Latter-day Saints, right? And how do you become a saint? You need to join the true church of Jesus Christ. That's the first step. And call upon the name of Jesus Christ, our Lord. And we've looked at what that means. The biblical Jesus, the one that rose from the dead, the one that has a body of flesh and bones. If you call upon that Jesus, he, call, he calls you a saint. You don't call on that Jesus. You call on a false God who has no body, no parts, no passions. Again, one of the many references here in one of the many scriptures, these promises, these blessings do not pertain to you. Okay, getting a little bit hot here again under that light. Let me take off my jacket here. Once again, we see that these are not edited videos. We speak by the power of the Holy Ghost. We take very little preparation, and we just try to speak what God puts into our heart, into our soul, into our mind in these lessons. It's the way it's always been done in the true church of Jesus Christ, the way it should be done in the church of Jesus Christ. Okay, so that takes care of those first um, couple of verses. Let's look at now 10 through 31. Now I beseech you, brethren, by the name of our Lord Jesus Christ, that ye all speak the same thing. Remember, his big problem has been so far is this major debate in the first century church as to whether we need to keep the law of Moses. The first presidency and the quorum of the 12 and the quorums of the 70 are going out teaching that you have to keep the law of Moses. James, in a moment of weakness in the Jerusalem Council in Acts 15, issues a, an, an, an edict that, that basically Gentiles can join the church as long as they abstain from meat sacrificed to idols, uh, things strangled, and fornication. But he doesn't like it. He doesn't like it. He regrets that decision. He's still sending out his apostles in 70, everywhere that Paul goes. Once Paul leaves the community, and Paul goes to the community, tells them, you don't have to keep the law of Moses. You've got to keep the Ten Commandments. 
but you don't have to keep the law of Moses. Then James sends out the apostles and the 70 to go to tell the congregation that, no, Paul's wrong. Paul's an apostate. He's a heretic. He's, he's not a general authority. Don't listen to him. Listen to us. We're telling you, you need to keep the law of Moses, even though Jesus Christ came, even though the law pointed to Jesus Christ, you have to keep the law of Moses. And they lived and kept that law all the way till they died. James was famous both within not only the Christian community, but also within the Jewish community as to how well he kept the 613 uh, commandments. He was well known. Josephus, the Jewish historian, even says that the reason they were able that Rome that God allowed the Romans to come in to destroy the Jewish temple and Israel was because they killed James. That's how righteous he was in, in keeping the Jewish Mosaic law, even though he was the president of the church. It's just really amazing. Uh, so Paul here, once again, going back here saying, look, you know, we should all speak the same thing, agree to the same doctrine, preach the same Jesus Christ, preach the same basic principles of Jesus Christ. He says, uh, and, that, uh, and that there be no divisions among you. There should not be those who keep the law of Moses and those who don't keep the law of Moses and those who do another thing and, you know, a lot of different doctrines, right? We're seeing the apostasy starting to take place uh, in the church. Uh, right here is evidence uh, here in all these verses that we're going to be looking at in the Pauline, uh, in the other New Testament letters. But that you be perfectly joined together in the same mind and in the same judgment. For it hath been declared unto me of you, my brethren, by them which are of the house of Chloe, that there are contentions among you. Some are saying, look, I was baptized by Paul. I was baptized by the apostle Apollos, which apparently is filled in for one of the 12 now. Uh, I have uh, Cephas, that's Peter, and I have Christ even, right? It says, you know, and today, you know, we have that, right? We have that same thing. There are some say they're evangelical Christians. Some say they're Baptist. Some say they're Methodist. Some say they're Presbyterian. Some say they're Catholic. Some say they're Greek Orthodox. They say all these things, right? Is Christ divided? Was Paul crucified for you? Or were you baptized in the name of Paul? No, you're baptized in the name of Jesus Christ. He's going to later on say one Lord, one faith, one baptism. Shouldn't be many uh, faiths. Many uh, baptisms should only be one, if you're not a member of the true church of Jesus Christ, you need to re re repent and uh, revoke membership in the church that you belong to and come into the true church of Jesus Christ. He says, I thank God that I baptized none of you, but Crispus and Gaius. And then he starts remembering, actually, I, there's some more I baptized as well. <laughs> Lest any should say that I baptized in my own name. And I baptized also, he's like, now wait a minute here. I also baptized the household of Stephanus. Besides, uh, I know not whether I baptized any other. So suddenly, at first, I thank God I baptized none of you. But then he started to remember, remembering all those he had baptized. For Christ sent me not to baptize, but to preach the gospel, not with wisdom of words, lest the cross of Christ should be made of non-effect. For the preaching of the cross is to them that perish foolishness. The wicked have always thought that preaching Jesus Christ is foolishness. But unto us which are saved, it is the power of God. For it is written, I will destroy the wisdom of the wise and will 
bring to nothing the understanding of the prudent. Where is the wise? Where is the scribe? Where is the disputer of this world? Hath not God made foolish the wisdom of the world? For after that, in the wisdom of God, the world by wisdom knew not God. It pleased God by the foolishness of preaching to save them that believe. For the Jews require, now this is very interesting. For the Jews require a sign and the Greeks seek after wisdom. How do you convert the Jews? You have to show a sign. That's why Jesus did so many signs and wonders and miracles. That's why his apostles in the land of Israel continued to do all kinds of miracles as signs so that they would believe. The Jews have to see a sign to believe. The Greeks are persuaded by godly wisdom. So you have a great theological debate with somebody in the Greek in Greek in the Greek world, and and they will join the church, right? But we preach Christ crucified, which to the Jews is a stumbling block. Hard to believe that your Messiah was crucified. Their Mosaic law said, "Cursed is he that hangs on a tree," right? And unto the Greeks, foolishness. That's foolish. Somebody going to be crucified, and you're going to worship him. But unto them which are children, but unto them which are called, but to them which are called, both Jews and Greeks, Christ, the power of God and the wisdom of God. Because the foolishness of God is wiser than man. So even, even God in his most foolishness moment is wiser than all men, right? His ways are not our ways. He's higher, he's more intelligent than all than all of them. And the weakness of God is stronger than man. For ye see your calling, brethren, how that not many wise men after the flesh. God calls those who are not wise after the flesh. He calls the humble. He calls those he can use and to mold and to the image of his son and to make them go out and, and be bold in his name. And not many mighty, right? Not a lot of... Uh, famous people that are called to be, you know, leaders in the church. They be, some of them become that way after they became a leader of church, but they weren't, you know, famous people and then got called to be leaders of the church. Right? Not many mighty, not many noble are called, but God had chosen the foolish things of the world to confound the wise, and God had chosen the weak things of the world to confound the things which are mighty. And these and and base things of the world and things which are despised hath God chosen, yea, and things which are not to bring to not things that are, that no flesh should glory in His presence. But of Him are ye in Christ Jesus, who of God is made unto us wisdom and righteousness and sanctification and redemption, that according as it is written, He that glorieth, let him glory in the Lord. Okay, so great to chapter 1. Let's now move to chapter 2, and we'll look at verse 1 through 5. And I, brethren, when I came to you, came not with excellency of speech or of wisdom. Now, obviously, we read, we just read Romans, right? <laughs> Reading Corinthians. So Paul's just trying to be humble here, right? Clearly, he's, he's, uh, he has excellency of speech, at least of writing, right? Maybe he couldn't speak as well as he could write, but certainly excellency of speech and writing, and full of wisdom, right? Declaring unto you the testimony of God. Now, this is a powerful verse. 
For I determined not to know anything among you. I didn't want to know anything among you except Jesus Christ and him crucified. And I was with you in weakness and in fear and in much trembling. And my speech and my preaching was not with the enticing words of man's wisdom, but in demonstration of the spirit and of the power. So even if it was full of man, you know, the wisdom and enticing words, he's not trying to do it, right? That might just be a byproduct of his uh, intelligence, right? We saw that. We had that for several years with an apostle in the church called Neil Maxwell, who was just very educated. And so he didn't talk like normal people, right? And he... You know, and he used a lot of advanced vocabulary and, and so forth, because that, that's just kind of who he was and, and how he did it. Okay, but Paul is trying to preach in the demonstration of the spirit and the power of God. That your faith should not stand in the wisdom of man, but in the power of God. We'll look at 9 through 14. But, oh, and here's a great verse, right? But as it is written, I have not seen. We've quoted this many times in prior lessons. I have not seen, nor ear heard, neither have entered into the heart of man the things which God hath prepared for them that love him. What a great promise. But God hath revealed them, these things, unto us by his Spirit. So we know by the Spirit what great, wonderful things these are. And some of us, by the Spirit, can have visions and see the glories to come and the worlds to come. So by his Spirit, he hath revealed a lot of these mysteries. For the Spirit searcheth all things, yea, the deep things of God. For what man knoweth the things of a man, save the Spirit of man which is in him? Even so, the things of God knoweth no man but the Spirit of God. Now we have received not the spirit of the world, but the spirit which is of God, that we might know the things that are freely given to us of God, which things also we speak, not in the words which man's wisdom teacheth, but which the Holy Ghost teacheth. As we listen to the Holy Ghost, Holy Ghost will teach us these things, comparing spiritual things with spiritual. But the natural man receiveth not of the things of the spirit of God. They think they're foolishness. Neither can this natural man know them because they have to be spiritually discerned. You have to feel it through the Spirit of God. But he that is spirit, spiritual judgeth all things, yet he himself is judged of no man. For who had known the mind of the Lord that he may instruct him? No one can instruct the Lord. He knows more than all of us. But we have the mind of Christ. Okay, that's chapter 2. Let's look at chapter 3, verse 1 through 11. And I, brethren, could not speak unto you as unto spiritual, but as unto cardinal, even as unto babes in Christ. I wanted to tell you all the great things. I wanted to tell you about the mysteries of the third uh, kingdom of heaven, the third degree of, of glory. I wanted to tell you all these things, but you weren't ready for them. You, your minds were set on the things of the world. I have fed you with milk instead of meat. For hitherto where you were not able to bear it, neither yet... Now are ye able. So you're still not really ready, but you are making progress towards that. We know revelation comes line upon line, precept upon precept, here a little and there a little until we grow in the knowledge of all things. He says, 
For ye are yet carnal, for where, whereas there is among you envying and strife and these divisions, the apostasy, the apostasy of the church is starting to take place. Are ye not carnal and walk as man? For while one saith, I am Paul, uh, I am of Paul, and another, I am Apollos. You know, one saying, I'm a, I'm a Catholic, and I'm a Greek Orthodox, and, and I'm an Ethiopian Orthodox, and I'm a uh, the Methodist, and I'm a Baptist. He says, who then is Paul, and who is Apollos, but ministers by whom ye believed, even as the Lord gave to every man? I have planted, remember he talked about this last week, he's going out into communities where they've never heard of Jesus Christ to, to plant so he's not building on another man's foundation of introducing the gospel to a culture, to a people, to a city. I have planted, and then Apollos came along and watered, but ultimately it was God that gave the increase. It was God who caused his word to, to sprout into faith and to believe and to testimony within those who were hearing or got the gospel being preached by me and then Apollos. So then neither is he that planted anything. So you can't think you're great just because you go around planning the, the first introduction to the gospel. Neither he that watereth, but God that giveth the increase. Uh, uh, eight. Now he that planteth and he that watereth are one, and every man shall receive his own reward according to his own labor. So evangelicals, <laughs> every man by his labor will receive the rewards, right? It's going to talk about that in the book of Revelation again, that the books are going to be open. You're going to be judged by the things that were written about your life in the books. You know, quit your the false doctrine, false uh, preaching, just because you're too lazy to keep the commandments of God. You know, don't go around trying to convince other people. They don't have to either. Okay, we continue on here, and he says, verse 9, For we are laborers together with God. Ye are God's husbandry, ye are God's building. According to the grace of God, which is given unto me as a wise master builder, I have laid the foundation, and another buildeth thereon. But let every man take heed how he buildeth thereon. For other foundation can no man lay than that which is laid which is Jesus Christ. You have to build your foundation. You have to build your church on the biblical resurrected Jesus Christ. If not, you have failed in building up that organization. It's not a church. The organization has failed because it's not built upon the foundation of the biblical resurrected living Jesus Christ. Uh, let's continue on now to 16 and 17. Oh, here's a good one. Know ye not that ye are the temple of God? Your body. Your body is a temple of God. It's fit to have the Holy Ghost dwell within you. And that the Spirit of God dwelleth in you. If any man defile the temple of God, if any man defiles his body, him shall God destroy for the temple of God is holy, which temple ye are. Don't destroy your bodies. Uh, you know, don't do bad things to them. They're the temple of God. And God wants his Holy Ghost, his Holy Spirit to be able to dwell within your body. Chapter 4, we'll look at 1 through 2. Let a man so account of us as of the ministers of Christ. Now again, 
he's talking about him and these four guys, right? At the end of the, the end of chapter, uh, you know, the end of the first Corinthians here, he mentions those four other guys, including Timothy, you know, uh, uh, and, and Stephana. I think he said Stephana. Anyway, those four guys with him. Think of us five guys as the ministers of Christ. He's starting to build up that. He's going to then start to call them apostles too, right? Moreover, it is required in stewards that a man be found faithful. How can you be a minister of God if you're not faithful in, in, in doing your best to keep his commandments, right? Instead, unfortunately, as ministers go around and tell people they don't have to keep the Ten Commandments, that they just have to believe in Jesus Christ and they're going to be saved. Unfortunately, this does not say that anywhere here in the Scriptures. We looked at Paul destroy that concept over and over and over and over again, probably dozens of times in Romans the last two weeks. Okay, so now let's look at 9 through 13. For I think that God has set forth as the apostles. Okay, so right back to these four other guys in him, the five of them, not the apostles, the, the official administrative ones in Jerusalem that are headquartered in Jerusalem that are living off of the tithing and the offerings of the people uh, that have nice salaries, that have nice homes, that have nice food. You know, and these things, watch, these guys, these five are out there suffering, Timothy and Paul and those other guys mentioned at the end of First Corinthians here. Watch this. A lot of people thought this meant, meant the 12 apostles in Jerusalem. It has nothing to do with them. For I think that God has set forth us, us, the apostles last. Us five guys, right? Us five guys. Well, maybe we go there again, the end of First Corinthians. I can't, even I can't remember there. Names exactly. Timothy's one of them. Uh, once again, here, let's look at uh, end of uh, chapter 16. The first epistle to the Corinthians was written from Philippi by Stephanus. Yeah, it was Stephanus. Stephanus and Fortunatus and Achaicus and Timotheus and me, Paul. That God has set forth us. Apostles, we're the true apostles. Remember last week in Romans, right? The, the first presidency and the quorum of the 12, they're the weak ones in the faith. We're the strong ones. Now, again, he's going to start to say that we're weak in a different context here, but we're the strong ones. We're the faithful ones, you know, uh, and as a result, we're suffering. Right? He says here, but as it were appointed to death, for we are made a spectacle unto the world and to the angels and to man. Yeah, even the angels are wondering, you know, so, so Paul's thinking, maybe the angels even wonder, what, are, what on earth are we doing, right? Here we're going around pretending to be apostles and trying to build up the congregations and try to preach Jesus Christ. Maybe the, maybe the, even the angels are laughing at us. Right? So as we're made a spectacle to the world and to angels and to man. We are fools for Christ's sake. And that's what they were saying, right? That's what their enemies, the Quorum of the Twelve, were going around. Paul and these other guys now, he's got, you know, he's got associates now helping him, right? They're all, they're all crazy, you know, they're apostates, they're heretics, they're fools. We are fools. He acknowledged right here, we are fools for Christ's sake. But ye are wise in Christ. We are weak, but ye are strong. Ye are honorable, but we are despised. Yeah, we're despised. Not only are we despised by those who haven't joined the church yet, 
those who hear the gospel, but we're despised by the church. We're despised by the by the first presidency in the quorum of the twelve, right? We're despised by by the the so-called the well, he's I'll say later on in Galatians, the so-called pillars, right? The pillars of of the church, right? They're, you know, they've been rejected, they despised by the pillars, by the first presidency in the quorum of the twelve. But we are despised even into this present hour. We both hunger and thirst, right? They're sitting over there in Jerusalem, living off of the offerings of the people, right? And the tithing and so forth. But we're out here. I'm I'm a tent maker. Paul says he's a tent maker, right? And he's making tents just to survive. Says that he and his five guys here, they're hungry. They're hungry and they thirst and they're naked and they're buffeted and have to no certain dwelling place. They're going city to city. They have nowhere. No, no home. They have no official home or anything compared to what the 12 in Jerusalem have. And labor, working with our own hands. We make tents or whatever we need to do to survive. Being reviled, we bless. Being persecuted by the church, by the first presidency in the 12. Being persecuted, we suffer it. We're also persecuted by the non-members who are objecting our testimony. Being defamed. We entreat. We are made as the filth of the world. They were considered the filth of, of the church, right? They're introducing this concept that you don't have to keep the law of Moses. First presidency in the 12 are going crazy about Paul. And are of the offscoring of all things unto this day. I write not these things to shame you, but as my beloved sons, I warn you. 15 through 21. For though you have 10,000 instructors in Christ, you know, all congregations have teachers and and um, yet have not many fathers, right? Uh, for in Christ Jesus, I have begotten you through the gospel. Don't just think of me as your spiritual father. Don't think of James. <laughs> Can you imagine that in today's church? Someone's going around saying, don't think of, don't think of Russell Nelson. Don't think of Dallin Oaks. You know, don't think of them. Think of the, you know, this other guy, right? <laughs> Just think of this other guy as your spiritual father, your spiritual, spiritual leader. This is bold, bold stuff, Paul. And he says here, um, for in Christ Jesus I've begotten you through the gospel. Wherefore I beseech you, be you followers of me. Don't follow James in the first presidency in the twelve. Follow me, Paul saying here. Again, bold, 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 Paul, bold. This is boldness, guys. For this cause have I sent unto you Timotheus, Timothy, who is my beloved son, not literal, but just a spiritual son, and faithful in the Lord, who shall bring you into remembrance of my ways, which be in Christ, as I teach everywhere in every church. Now some are pulled up as though I would not, or puffed up as though I would not come to you. They think that they're, they're puffed up. This is great, right? <laughs> Gotta love Paul, huh? What a bold guy, huh? What a bold, bold, daring guy. Watch this. So some are puffed up as though I would not come to you. Some are acting like, wow, we don't care about this, Paul. You know, we, we, uh, you know, we, we're just going to listen to James and the first presidency and the quorum of the 12 apostles. We don't need to worry about this, this guy, Paul. I know we know it. We've heard reports. We've heard all the reports. He's gaining more influence in the church. Then the first presidency in the quorum of the 12. He's got more influence. You know, he's becoming this great spiritual leader in the church. You know, uh, we've heard of him. 
but we're not going to worry about him. He's not, maybe he's not going to really come to our own congregation. Watch this. He's going to threaten. He's going to come whip him. <laughs> you can't make this stuff up. Watch this. Watch this. So they're going, so he's upset that they're acting like, like this Paul. Oh, we don't need to really worry about this Paul. You know, we're, they're puffed up. He says they're, they're puffed up. Watch this. As though I would not come to you, but I will come to you shortly if the Lord wills it. And will know not the speech of them which are puffed up, but the power. You're going to know my power. You're going to know that Jesus Christ is behind, is behind me and I have the power of God. For the kingdom of God is not in word, but in power. Now watch this. Here we go. What do you want? What will ye? What will ye? What do you want? Shall I come to you with a rod or you know, with a whip? Shall I come to you with a rod or a whip and beat you, you know, to death? Or should I come in love and in the spirit of meekness? <laughs> That's great, Paul. Okay, moving on now <laughs> to chapter 5. Let me take a uh, water break here. <clears throat> okay. It is reported commonly that there is fornication among you. Oh, evangelicals, evangelical alert, pay attention. We're going to talk about the importance of keeping the Ten Commandments. <laughs> Watch this. I know you You hate your man now, don't you? You love them. You gave lip service to them your entire lives. But those of you who now just, just been shattered, you just had your whole world of faith shattered the last two weeks looking at Romans and finding out what Paul really said. And how much he talks about you have to live a righteous life and you have to keep the Ten Commandments. He even started naming the Ten Commandments one by one. Boy, this was your man. Now, now you don't know what to think, do you? Well, you need to reject your false prophets and your false preachers. And you need to come unto the true church of Jesus Christ. Okay. What do you do if someone's not keeping the commandments? You stay away from them, right? <laughs> you don't you don't just preach to them that you just have to accept Jesus as your savior and you're okay and you keep on sinning. Good luck with that. No. No, he's going to argue you you got to stay away from these people. You cast them out of your community if they don't keep the 10 commandments. It is reported commonly that there is fornication among you. And such fornication that is not so much as even named among the Gentiles, that one should have his father's wife. So one of them apparently took one of his uh, father's wives, you know, obviously not his mother, but his wife. You know, we had this with Reuben, remember, in the uh, in the patriarch period of the Old Testament, where Reuben slept with one of Jacob, his father's wives. Right? A similar thing going on here. I guess he forgot about it because he's saying, "Look, he say says so not even named among the Gentiles." This Paul. It's your own ancestor. <laughs> happened to, to your own ancestor, Reuben, right? That's how he lost the birthright, remember? Because he slept with one of, his wife, one of his father's wives. Okay. He says here um, that one should have his father's wife, and ye are puffed up and have not rather mourned. You should be mourning that one of your fellow members of your of your ward, your your church congregation is not keeping the Ten Commandments. You, you should be mourning that. 
not not condoning it and saying as long as he accepts Jesus Christ, he'll be fine. He accepted it. He wouldn't have been a member of the church if he hadn't accepted Jesus as his Savior, right? He accepted Jesus as his Savior, right? That wasn't good enough for Paul. Your man, your man wasn't good enough for him, was it? Let's kick out this guy who only accepts Jesus as his Savior but doesn't keep the Ten Commandments. Watch this. That he that had done this deed might have been taken away from among you. He should be taken away, cast out, excommunicated is what Paul said. For I verily as absent in body, but present in spirit. I know I'm not there with you, Corinthians, right? I've, But I, nevertheless, I've already judged. I don't know him personally. I don't know this guy. I don't know this guy personally. I don't know the woman personally. I don't know any personal details, but what I know, I've already judged that this guy's, you know, wicked and, you know, dirty, wicked sinner, right? He says, uh, as though I were present concerning him that had done this deed. In the name of our Lord Jesus Christ, when ye are gathered together in my spirit with the power of our Lord Jesus Christ to deliver such a one, you curse this guy. If someone doesn't keep the Ten Commandments, you cursed them, he says, in the name of the Lord Jesus Christ. You cursed them and deliver them. Here we go. Watch this. Five. Boy, I'm glad glad we don't personally have Paul alive today. Right? He says here, to deliver such a one unto Satan for the destruction of his flesh. That the spirit may be saved in the day of the Lord Jesus. You're going to curse him in the name of the Lord Jesus Christ. You're going to turn the one that doesn't keep the commandments over to the to Satan, to Satan's power, to be able to destroy their physical flesh in the hopes that maybe their spirit might survive and and, and might uh, survive spiritually and might be saved. Powerful, I mean, this powerful stuff here, right? This is your guy, your guy. You're going around trying to claim that Paul taught that you just need to accept Jesus Christ and it doesn't matter if you keep the Ten Commandments or not. We find out your real guy, Paul. Your man, <laughs> your man. How many times we got to say that to wake you all up, right? Your guy, your guy, the one you love more than Jesus Christ, your apostle Paul. He said, what What do you do with somebody who doesn't keep the Ten Commandments? You curse him in the name of the Lord Jesus Christ and you deliver them to Satan to destroy their flesh. That's what you do to those who don't keep the commandments, right? So does Paul think it's important to keep the Ten Commandments? Yes, <laughs> very important, right? Reject your false leaders, your false preachers who teach you otherwise. They're not quoting the Bible. They don't know the Bible. They don't read it, obviously, or they wouldn't be teaching such false doctrine that comes directly from Satan. Okay. Your glory is not good. Know ye not that a little leaven leaveneth the whole lump? Purge out, therefore, the old leaven. Get rid of these that don't keep the Ten Commandments, that you may be a new lump, as ye are unleavened. For even Christ, our Passover, is sacrificed for us. Therefore, let us keep the feast, not with old leaven, neither with the leaven of malice and wickedness. Again, you can't be wicked and accept Jesus as your Lord and Savior and think you're fine. You have to live a godly life. He has preached it over and over again. And we will continue to see that in his other epistles as well. 
So with the leaven of malice and wickedness, but with the unleavened bread of sincerity and truth. I wrote unto you in an epistle not to company with fornicators. Those who are breaking the commandments, you cannot accompany, you don't spend your time with them. You stay away from them is what Paul's saying. Yet not altogether with the fornicators of this world. So not, I had said in earlier in the epistle, obviously we don't have that. That's lost scripture again, evidence again that the Bible does not contain all the, all the books of scripture. He said he already sent him a letter, told him not to company with fornicators. <clears throat> but as I've thought about it, and as I've received further revelation from, from the Holy Ghost, from the Holy Spirit, yet not altogether with the fornicators of this world, or with the covetous. I also don't want you to spend to, to company with the covetous, or with the extortioners, or with the idolaters. For then must you needs go out of the world. They can lead you out of the world, out of the kingdom of God into the, the devil's kingdom. But now I have written unto you not to keep company. If any man that is called the brother be a fornicator or covetous or an idolater or a railer or a drunkard or an extortioner with such an one not to eat. Don't eat with them. Don't spend your time with them. Those who don't keep the commandments. <laughs> Oh, boy, evangelicals, your church is false, isn't it? Your false form of Christianity is completely false, comes directly from the devil. Your own guy has continued to bash it down. He did this the last two weeks all the way through Romans. He's been doing this all the way through Corinthians. You need to repent. You need to reject false forms of Christianity and come unto the true Christian church so you can be blessed. Okay, so he says here in verse 12, For what have I to do to judge them also that are without? Do not ye judge them that are within? But them that are without God judgeth. Therefore put away from among yourselves that wicked person who is not keeping the Ten Commandments. They've all again, all of them who he's talking about, they have all accepted Jesus as their Lord and Savior. They all have, or they wouldn't have been baptized. They want to become a member of the Christian community here in Corinth. The reason that they did that is because they accepted the Lord as their Savior. They accepted the Lord as their Savior, right? But that's not good enough for Paul, is it? Absolutely not. He needs you to keep the Ten Commandments. And if you don't, you reject them, you cast them out of your church, and you don't spend any time with them, not to even eat a meal with them. That's the true Paul. That's what Paul was preaching. Totally radical, totally contrary to what you and your false form of Christianity is teaching and leading astray millions and millions of, of good and heart people after your false doctrine like that. Repent. It's shameful. Repent. Okay, we move to chapter 6. And we'll first look at 1 through 3. There any of you having a matter against another, go to law before the unjust and not before the saints. So the idea here is you can hold church councils and you go to the church court, you know, against one another. You don't go to the to the Gentiles taking a fellow member of the Christian community. Do you not know that the saints shall judge the world? So again, we saw this last week. 
bashed down false evangelical Christianity, told everybody you can become gods because you're going to receive all things that Jesus Christ received. You're going to be equal to Jesus Christ, therefore you're a god. You're going to be glorified together with Jesus Christ with the same glory, the glory of Jesus Christ, the God. Therefore, you must be a God as well if you're going to have the same glory as Jesus Christ. And so here he says you're going to judge. You're going to judge the world, right? Right? That puts you above the angels once again, too. Makes you a God, doesn't it? What's above an angel? A God, right? Just basic math. Even a kindergarten or first grade elementary kid can figure this stuff out. And yet you spend all your time going around just trying to destroy and trying to fight against true Christianity when it's such ba so basic here. If you just read the Bible, if you just read, just open it, just read it, just read it, you find out that everything you're saying is false. Complete heresy, complete uh, the heretical false doctrine coming directly from the devil's own mouth. You need to repent and stop preaching uh, such things. And if the world shall be judged by you, are ye unworthy to judge the smallest matters? Therefore, you should be holding church courts because, you know, you're going to judge the world. You know, well, don't let them judge you. Know ye not that we shall judge? Ooh, oh, here we go again. Here we go. Paul, he did it to you, he did it to you again, didn't he? He just proved your, ch your church be to be false in the church of the devil instead of the church of the Lord. Once again, here we go. This is 1 Corinthians chapter 6, verse 3. So, so not only are we going to judge the world, watch this. Know ye not that we shall judge angels, the saints, the members of the church of Jesus Christ of Latter-day Saints is going to judge not only the world, but the angels. Now, if you judge an angel, you got to be above an angel. What's above an angel? Uh, God, <laughs> you poor souls out there lying, just lying and deceiving, trying to deceive millions of people and blind them to the truth of the gospel of Jesus Christ. How shameful you need to repent. You will face God face to face and faces almighty judgments for the great wickedness you have done in spreading this false uh, priesthood and this false, uh, this false religious, false form of Christianity upon the earth. He's not impressed with you at all. You will suffer the consequences when you meet him face to face for your in the day of judgment. Okay, so we're going to judge the world. We're going to judge the angels. Okay, let's now move to 9 through 10. Know ye not that the unrighteous shall not inherit the kingdom of God? <laughs> he did it to you again, didn't he, evangelicals? I mean, this is really becoming embarrassing, isn't it? Isn't this embarrassing what Paul's doing to your false form of Christianity? He's just destroying it left and right, all the way through the book of Romans. Now all the way through 1 Corinthians, he continues to destroy your false form of so-called Christianity. It is evil. It is of the devil. You need to repent and run from it and jo join and cleave yourself unto the true church of Jesus Christ. 
It's very simple. Here he is, destroying once again your false religion. Read it again. 1 Corinthians chapter 6, verse 9. Know ye not that the unrighteous shall not inherit the kingdom of God. It doesn't matter whether you went to a Billy Graham crusade and said that, that you accept Jesus as your Lord and Savior. That will not get you into heaven. That will not get you into heaven. I don't care what that preacher told you. That's false. That's not true. Nowhere is it taught in the gospel, in the scriptures, in the Bible. This is what's taught in the gospel. Let's read it again. Know ye not that the unrighteous shall not inherit the kingdom of God. You will not. You, you said you accepted Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior, but that you're not a righteous person. You're not keeping the Ten Commandments. You will not inherit the kingdom of heaven. This is 100% true. This is the promise directly from God given through the Apostle Paul written right here. Right here. Reject those false teachers. Reject those false preachers. They are the servants of the devil. Know ye not that the unrighteous shall not inherit the kingdom of God. Be not deceived. I would have almost to say that myself, right? Be not deceived by them. Neither fornicators. Here, let's make it clear. Neither fornicators, nor idolaters, nor adulterers, nor effeminate, nor abusers of themselves of mankind, homosexuals, it says here in the in the footnotes, nor thieves, nor covetous, nor drunkards, nor revilers, nor extortioners shall inherit the kingdom of God. Paul said, I cannot make this any more clear. You're not keeping the Ten Commandments. You're not going to the, to the kingdom of heaven. You're not going to the kingdom of heaven. Doesn't matter what crusade you went to. It doesn't matter who was preaching that day. It doesn't matter you went down uh, to the, before the pulpit and accepted Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior. It's not good enough. It's not going to get you into the kingdom of heaven if you continue to not keep the Ten Commandments. Paul, your own guy, your own man, continues to destroy your false form of Christianity. Now, he said, some of you were like that before, right? But you've now been washed. You've been baptized in the name of Jesus Christ by those who hold the priest and authority of Jesus Christ. You've been sanctified. You've been justified in the name of the Lord Jesus and by the spirit of our God. Twelve. And we'll look at the JST here. It says here in the footnotes, all these things are not lawful unto me. And all these things are not expedient. All things are not lawful for me. Therefore, I will not be brought under the power of any. So that's the better translation of verse 12. Let's look at 14. And God hath both raised up the Lord Jesus, and will help, and as a result will also raise us up by his own power as well. Jesus Christ is the first fruits of those who sleep. Once Jesus rose from the dead, we now have the same promise from God that he will also rise us up from the dead as well. And 18 through 20. Paul, Paul, your man. Here we go again. He didn't, he's not going to say, just accept the Lord Jesus Christ as your Savior, that you could continue sinning. Watch this. 
flee fornication. Every sin that a man doeth is without the body, but he that committeth fornication sinneth his own against his own body. He'd say the same thing about any of these other sins he just mentioned. Flee it. Flee drunkenness. Flee covetousness. The flee, you know, idolatry. The flee all of these uh, sins, right? What know ye not that your body is the temple, the Holy Ghost, which is in you, which ye have of God, and ye are not your own? For ye are bought with a price. Jesus Christ had to suffer both body and spirit, uh, as though as though he bled from every pore. Bought with a price, the greatest blood that had ever lived here upon the earth. Therefore glorify God in your body and in your spirit, which are God's. Okay, so great place there to leave it. Chapter 7, he just kind of goes on. He says three different times that what he's telling you in chapter 7 is not from the Lord. It's just he what he thinks uh, in, based on his great wisdom and knowledge of what he thinks about marriage. So it's worth reading uh, on your own time. Uh, but he says three times it didn't come from the Lord, but it came from his wisdom, right? He's a great, wise guy, you know, and so there, there'd be a lot of great truth in there. Uh, he starts off basically about, you know, you don't get divorced, you know. If you're, it turns to be that that you join the church, but your husband or your wife is an unbeliever and doesn't join the church, you still stay together because maybe you'll, you by setting a good example and, and so forth, maybe over time, your spouse will join uh, the church. So he'll talk about great things in there like that. But we got the meat of the gospel once again here in these chapters. What a great uh, lesson once again. It's great to sit here under the feet of the Apostle Paul, who was declared to be an apostle 2,000 years later in a revelation given to the prophet Joseph Smith in Doctrine and Covenants section 18 that Paul indeed was his apostle Jesus Christ was given him revelation and the spirit of prophecy to be able to speak and preach the gospel. His gospel wins out. We don't keep the law of Moses today, right? We're free from the law of Moses. Uh, so Paul, what a great man, a great apostle of Jesus Christ. Doesn't matter whether he officially held an administrative the calling in the church, right? He was Jesus Christ's apostle. Jesus Christ used him to touch the world. And 2,000 years later, he's still touching the world for Jesus Christ. I'd like to invite those of you not yet members of the Church of Jesus Christ to come. Come unto those who have the priest and authority of God, like Paul did, to be baptized, to be washed clean, to be washed from your sins, to commit yourselves to the biblical Jesus Christ, the one that rose from the dead, the one that sits enthroned at the right hand of the Heavenly Father. We're going to put in the link of the video a link. Just click on it. Reach out to the missionaries of the church. Let them know you're really you're, you're willing and ready to make a commitment for Jesus Christ. He will bless you. He will bless you with more joy, more happiness, more peace than you've ever had up to now. You'll be back, set back on the right path, leading back to the kingdom of heaven, as he said here, right? For those of you fond of inactivity in the church, we invite you to come on back. Just reach out to a local member of the church. Reach out to your Elders Quorum president, Relief Society president, the bishop, the missionaries, and just grab their hand and say, help me come back. So you can once again be a full member of the saints of God.
God, as we saw earlier, promise to those who honor the Lord and be a member of the community, they become the saints of God. What great promise and blessing that is. Closing, I testify once again of the truthfulness of the things we've discussed here today. These are true. They are the word and the will and the mind of God. They are scripture. We testify of these things. We ask God to pour out a spirit upon you. May you have safe shelter overhead. May you have food to eat. May you have the basic financial resources you need in your life at this time to be able to accomplish God's will for your life. We love you. We pray for you every day. And we testify of the things we did and taught today. In the name of Jesus Christ, amen.